Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to begin a series leading up to Easter called Unexpected God, looking at some of Jesus' last moments here on earth and the things that they show us about who he really is. Hey guys, I know that I told you last week we were going to talk about lament, but I was asked by my church to write a couple paragraphs for this children's thing. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, explanation um, about Jesus cleansing the temple as we were leading up into Easter. And as I started researching and just looking into it, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to do a podcast episode about this. And then I realized there's a lot of stuff that Jesus did right before he died that I want to talk about. So we're going to save lament for next time. We're going to really just dig into Jesus as this unexpected God and just the way he didn't line up with people's expectations of who God was. And yet he was God in the flesh here with us. So we're going to talk about Jesus cleansing the temple today. And this is a story that I'm like really familiar with. And yet as I sat there and read it, guys, I found myself just in tears, just recognizing again like who Jesus is and just some of the stuff he did in this story that was just so radical and just unexpected and so against the religious system of the day. And I just want to dive into it with you because it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful looking into who Jesus is. He comes into Jerusalem, his last trip to Jerusalem before he dies, And he comes in during Palm Sunday, we celebrate the triumphal entry. Jesus rides in on a donkey. There's palm branches. People are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Like they're just excited about who he is, super excited to have him coming in there. It fulfills a bunch of prophecies. And so that's just happened probably a day before, something like that. And he comes to the temple. Temple in Jesus's day had been rebuilt by Herod. Herod is trying to get the Jews to like him. This is kind of like a gift to them to say, hey, look, I really am kind of a nice guy, even though I'm occupying your land for the Romans. Look at me, I'm going to be nice to you. And he rebuilt the temple that had been built after captivity, kind of one wall, one piece at a time, until he built this huge, beautiful place for them to make them, you know, like him. And the temple had multiple courts. It had these kinds of layers that went out from the main temple area where you think of the holy place and the holy of holies. And it kind of went outward from there. There was the court of the priests where the priests performed all of their sacrifices and other duties. And then after that, there was the court of the Israelites or the men were allowed to go into that court. Then there was the court of the women where they were allowed to go. And then the last court, like the very outside of the temple was the court of the Gentiles. And so that's like coming outward from the inside. So the court of the Gentiles was kind of like the first step of getting into the temple. And that is the place the Gentiles were allowed to go, but no further, just into that outside court. And during Passover, and I don't know if it was happening the rest of the time, but definitely during Passover, they had this kind of marketplace that had been set up in the court of the Gentiles. And there was people selling animals, and there was people there to exchange money. There was women selling pigeons. And it was this huge marketplace going on. And it made sense. It was convenient for people that were coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Many of the Jews had been dispersed, and so they were coming from distances away. 
and they had their foreign money and it would have been inconvenient to bring an animal from their own house to with, the, with them to the celebrate the Passover. And so there was this marketplace where they could buy animals, exchange their money. Apparently only the Hebrew shekel or half shekel was allowed in the temple. And so they had to exchange it with the money changers to get their shekel that they could use in worship. And so Jesus encounters this open air market. And <laughs> I think about my trip to Israel and just the markets that I experienced there in Jerusalem. And, you know, they're loud and there's people haggling and there's people calling. And in this case, there would have been animals making noise and it would have been loud and dusty and crazy. And that's what's going on in this outer core of the Gentiles in the temple. And Jesus sees this and he is filled with passion, anger, but it's righteous anger, not the kind that humans are used to. And he begins to drive out people who are selling these animals and driving out the animals. He flips over the money changers tables and he says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of thieves. And then he brings into the temple, the lame and the blind, and he heals them. And then the children, most likely 12 year old boys who are experiencing Passover for the first time with their families who recognized him from the previous day coming into Jerusalem, as they've watched these things that he's doing, they begin to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, as had been shouted previously. And the religious leaders are very upset. They are indignant, it says. You know, they're just disgusted and they're irritated and they're frustrated and they're angry. And they're telling him, like, what are you doing? Like, what do you think you're doing? Who do you think you are? And Jesus tells them that, don't you know, it's been written that out of the mouths of infants and children, I shall ordain praise. And that's the story. So as I was digging into this, I just found such fascinating things, you guys. The Pharisees had this arrangement with the Romans. Their religious system was going well for them. It was connected to the government. They had these permissions. They had this thing that was happening, they were able to worship in the way they wanted to worship, and they did not want that messed up. They had it working well for them, and they were quite concerned something would happen and all of this would be taken away from them. Jesus comes into the middle of this system that is very much a system at this point. Like If you look into the actual law, you were supposed to select from your own flock a firstborn without blemish that you were then sacrificing. It was supposed to be something that you had loved and cared for, that you knew that you, you know, it was supposed to be this thing that meant something to you, not just some random animal you just bought off somebody in a marketplace that you could do your thing. And I find that just so fascinating that this has become such a system. This Jewish way of worshiping God was such a system. They had it down to the T. They were doing their things. And people were profiting off of other people's desire to meet God or to attain forgiveness or whatever it was that they were coming to celebrate in Jerusalem. You know, was it just a tradition that they were just following while we always go to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover? Was there actual a desire to actually get forgiveness from God and to celebrate his redemption that he brought to the Israelites? Most likely. But I think a lot of it was very much tradition. They were okay with just purchasing an animal. They were okay with exchanging money. And these people were making a profit off of their desire to connect with God. And Jesus, who all the sacrifices should have been pointing to, 
and who was going to be the Passover lamb comes into this marketplace in the temple and he's not okay with it. And he overturns the system and he drives the people away. And he reminds them that it was always about just coming to God, receiving that forgiveness from God. It wasn't about the things that you do, that you couldn't buy your way into forgiveness. And I find it so fascinating that he brings the lame and the blind into the temple. The law very specifically said that you were never to offer a sacrifice that was lame or blind. And the Levites and the priests, if there was somebody who had a deformity or a disability, they were not allowed to serve. And Jesus welcomes the lame and the blind into the temple. And it's very, very likely that these people would not have been allowed past the courts of the Gentiles not even into the court of the women, because they were disabled. And Jesus brings them in and he heals them. As I thought about this, I just was blown away by Jesus, by his passion for people who were being taken advantage of, by his passion against the religious system, by his passion to bring in those who were broken and heal them right there in the temple. And the children, the children recognize him and they begin to cry out. And the religious leaders are not okay with this. And once again, Jesus just reminds them, you're not right. You're missing it. And of course, they ignore him and don't get it. But guys, I can't help thinking about us. Us American Christians, specifically us American evangelical Christians. We have a system going, and it's even become very political, and we don't want it to get messed up. But I have to wonder, if Jesus came, would we recognize him? Would he just be some radical person doing some ridiculously radical things, hanging out with people that we don't agree with, and loving on people that we think should be avoided, and and I think we're missing it. And I'm not saying that the answer is to jump sides and become super progressive and liberal because, as I said before, so often it's just two sides of the same coin, still obsessed with behaviors, still obsessed with a certain way of doing things, just opposite. (laughs) No, I, I think the answer is in this awkward, broken middle way where you're like, I don't really know what this looks like. I don't know how to do this. It's uncomfortable. It's strange, but I'm just going to try to figure it out step by step with a very real God who wants to know me and who loves me despite my brokenness. I wrote the paragraphs about the story and then I had to ask three questions for the families to talk about with their kids. And I tested them on my almost 10-year-old son this morning. And I said, the religious Jews thought they had to do things to please God. Do you ever feel like you have to do things to please God to make him like you? And if so, what kinds of things? And my son, my son, you guys, said, yes, I do. I feel like I need to be a good person and I feel like I need to go to church and I feel like I need to all this stuff. Like, you know, he's never heard this from me. But guys, our hearts are so religious naturally. We are just naturally religious in our brokenness and we think we have to do the things to make God happy because it doesn't make sense that it would be different. It doesn't make sense to be loved for no reason. And then I said, The blind and the lame were usually rejected because they had disabilities, but Jesus welcomed them into the temple and healed them. What does that tell you about Jesus? And he said, 
that Jesus loves everybody and he wants everybody. And I said, yes, that is correct. And then I said, the religious leaders were angry with Jesus. He made them angry because of the things that he did. But the blind and the lame people got healed. And the children recognized him for who he was. He said, what kinds of people actually met Jesus? And why do you think this is? And he said, the broken people met Jesus. And the children recognized him. Because they were young and they were humble. And I said, yes, absolutely. So guys, I'm just going to leave you with that today. It's always been the broken people. It's always been the children, the young ones, the humble ones who find Jesus. And even today, the religious ones are going to be offended by him. They're going to be frustrated and indignant by the things that he does. But if you are broken, if you are blind and lame, if you recognize that about yourselves, you are in a good place because Jesus will find you and welcome you into his presence in the very temple of God and heal you. And I find that so beautiful and so wonderful and so completely not what we expect from God. But guys, as I've said so many times before, he is not who we expect. He is not like us. He just made us a little bit like him. Thanks for listening, guys. Next time, we're going to tackle another unexpected God moment from Jesus. Until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.